Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And I have to say, for, for the start of a June Black Holiday weekend, we don't have the best weather uh, forecast. There's, uh, it's going to be mild enough, I think, across the weekend, but there's rain forecast uh, as well. So if you're organising events, uh, try and organise indoor events, if at all possible. Ah, if not, just get have the waterproofs uh, on you and uh, you'll be fine. John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We are yet again, I think... Every morning this week, we have spoken about trying to get a result from the Ireland South in the European election. And uh, the news, of course, broke yesterday that the Sinn Féin party, they have formally called for a full recount. And the recount, just to give everybody a break, is not going to happen until after the start of it's not going to happen until after the bank holiday weekend. So it's Tuesday morning that the counters will all come back and it just it just gives everybody a break. But I suppose what everyone is highlighting about this particular recount is the fact of the cost. It's expected to it that it's going to cost about one million euro. And also depending on what report you're reading, the how long it's going to take. The shortage, the shortest time I've seen is three weeks. Lots of other commentators are saying it'll take four weeks, but I've even seen one report this morning saying it could take as long as six weeks to go through all of the papers. 755,000 ballot papers. We've got to go back to the beginning, back to where we were on Sunday morning when the European election count started. So every single one of the papers and I imagine they will be, it will be much slower this time because besides a recount, it, they'll be rechecking every single paper. So it is going to take time. They're not going to do marathon count sessions like what they've been doing all week where they've been counting into the small hours of the morning. The returning officer has stated that what he's going to do is a kind of a Martin Harvey said yesterday, nine to five, I think is what it's going to be. It'll be Monday to Friday weekend. They're not going to work over the weekend. So that's obviously going to make it 
uh, longer. And also yesterday when we spoke with Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, who's going to join us again this morning, she, I thought, made an interesting point when I was asking her, you know, what was, why was it taking so long, the counting? Was it to do with the length of the ballot paper and the fact there was 23 names on it? Was that taking longer? And she explained that no, that at the start of the counting back last weekend, they had 200 counters. And I think she said yesterday that number is down to 80. Now, how many of that 80 will even be available to come back next week because a number of them have a full-time job. They would have taken time off to go to the count centre but many of those will be returning to work because, you know, people that go along to the count centres and who are experienced counters have a tendency to take a week off just to be on the safe side to allow for something like this to happen but many of them will be returning. So I don't know and I I don't even know if the returning officer, Martin Harvey, actually knows how many counters he has available to him on Monday morning. I did make that point earlier with Simon. I can't understand why they don't look outside the area if there are no, if it has to be people with experience and I don't know what the experience is. I don't know if you can, is it is it possible to train people in quickly. You're you're sitting when you're looking at it on the TV. It appears as if you're sitting with bundles. To me, hand me a bundle. I'll check that that number one is for the candidate, and then let me count that bundle. And they're put into bundles of fifty. I, you know, maybe I'm missing out on something here. That there's something a little bit more complicated than that. Anyway, so I don't know if they could draft in either get local people who could lend a hand or if they're insisting that it has to be to make sure that everything is above board and it is done 100% correctly. Could we not get, could we not bus in counters from other areas? Because this is Ireland South, which is a sprawling constituency. It nearly goes up to Dublin. Could we bring counters in from Wexford, from Waterford, from Limerick, from Tipperary, from Clare, from Kerry, all of the uh, all of the different counters from all the different constituencies maybe do you know a day out in the bus bring them all down the bus I don't know I'm just I'm just kind of trying to think outside the box how do we speed it up and of course the other discussion that's underway how do we stop something like this happening again in, in the future nobody I think and I know we touched on this yesterday nobody I think wants to go back to electronic voting because we saw majority of people weren't happy with with electronic voting. I think it was the brutal way in which the result was announced. I can still see Nora Owen's face as she was standing up there along with all of the other candidates because they weren't tipped off in advance and because it was electronic voting there was no tally. We didn't do exit polls at the time. So Nora Owen had no way of knowing that her seat was in jeopardy and that all the candidates were standing on the stage and the returning officer announced the vote and then you could see her face when she realised she had lost her seat and it really was quite brutal. Now, would we get used to that? Would candidates get used to that? Would politicians get used to that? I don't know. But there was the whole debacle around electronic voting and the storing of the machines and the amount that that cost and then eventually they were sold off and it's just sort of it's almost like a kind of a dirty word you mentioned electronic voting and people just think no that was a great big waste of money let's draw a line under it so nobody has the appetite I think to go back there and one wonders that technology has changed so much because there was people were saying as well in the interest of transparency people were still a bit afraid about electronic voting but you wonder with the way things have changed could that be looked at again? And then, then there's another way of doing it that you still 
vote the way we vote with the little pencil tied up with a little piece of string inside in the polling booth and you, you mark your X if it's a referendum or your numbers if it's an ele- general election, local election, European election. But when the votes are actually being counted, there will be some kind of a barcode on it so they will be scanned. So then you'd have a sort of an electronic version of the vote as well. And I've heard that being spoken about. I think did somebody, did I hear somewhere that that's the way it happens in Scotland? So there's a kind of a backup. You've got the manual counting of it, but there's also this electronic backup. The fact that each vote is scanned. And I don't know if that's costly or is that something that we could uh, look at because nobody wants us to be in the situation that we're in at the moment whereby we could be in a month's time having this similar discussion with me saying I'm going over to Fiona Corcoran at the Count Centre to see did anybody get elected uh, yesterday. It just seems uh, ridiculous. At a time when it is so important that we have our best and our brightest MEPs over in Brussels with, you know, to be an Irish voice and to be a prominent Irish voice with Brexit so imminent. I don't think we've ever needed strong MEPs more than we do for this particular parliament and it looks like we won't have any representation from Ireland South while this lengthy count is still going on. So your thoughts welcomed on it and also on the cost of it. The fact that it's going to cost a a million euro. Is it a million euro well spent? I heard Sinn Féin TD Jonathan O'Brien say when he was asked about the ca- the cost of it because you know the Sinn Féin party would be one of the parties who normally would be out giving out if they thought there was any waste of money going on and certainly if there was a waste of money going on that they perceived by another political party they would be the first ones out uh, criticising it but instead obviously they're calling for this recount Jonathan O'Brien is defending it saying you can't put a price on democracy so is he right I mean should we just say we shouldn't be discussing the price of it at all this is democracy this is to find out for once and for all who voted for who and are we sending the four plus the one in waiting five MEPs are we sending the MEPs that the people of Ireland South actually want it so therefore we shouldn't even be having that discussion around cost it shouldn't come into it at all your thoughts welcomed 1850 333 103 John Paul takes them text 0862 103 103 we're also going to be the hearing from news agents and small convenience stores. This was the piece we picked up on from our news yesterday on a crime survey that they did where they went around and they asked uh, a large proportion of news agents and small convenience stores, your little corner shop, asked them about crime and had they been victims of crime and what type of crime had been committed. And it was shocking to see that 84% said yes, they had been victims of crime with many of them saying it was threatening and it was violent and aggressive. You know, your little corner shop that we depend on so much, the news agent where you depend on to go and buy your daily paper and to think that you could have... The, the shopkeeper and in many cases it's the owner those little shops are usually family run and owners can be in working in those shops all of their lives and perhaps their parents before them worked in, in the shop they have a tendency to be family run businesses but it just it saddens me to think that they're going to work in fear of some pup 
who's going to come in and just be threatening and intimidating and stealing their stock. It just really isn't good enough what needs to be done uh, about that. We're also, after 11, going to hear about a new helpline that has just gone live. It's a it's a 1-800, it's a free helpline, 1-800 number. And it is for male victims of domestic violence. We often talk about female victims of domestic violence and we'll give all of the various helpline numbers that are available to them. But there there has been the group MN. They have worked with victims of domestic violence, but I don't know if they actually run a recognised helpline and I certainly don't think I've ever heard of a free phone number for male victims of domestic violence. And by its very nature, male domestic violence is hidden. Men, I think, are embarrassed. They're shamed. They're afraid they're not going to be believed and they keep a lot of it to themselves. They just don't talk about it. Some will eventually get out of the relationship and go on even though their lives can be absolutely destroyed following it. But they may never admit or own up to what's going on behind closed doors. And it's just it's one of those really hidden problems in this country. So we're going to talk with the organisers behind this new helpline and give a little bit of publicity to it and give out the phone number uh, just in case. And and there's not a just in case. I know for sure there will be people listening to us this morning, men listening to us this morning, who will need the help and advice of this helpline because they're living dreadful lives at the hands of uh, their partner. 1850 We're going to lighten the mood somewhat then before 12 uh, today when Mike Morgan, who is a Mallow comedian, joins me in studio in advance of a hometown gig. Probably one of the toughest gigs, I imagine, for comedians. I, mean, I have such respect for comedians who can get up on a stage and uh, entertain people. It's, it is It is a a fantastic gift uh, to have but to do it in front of your hometown he's a brave brave man we'll talk with Mike uh, later on in the programme today and then after 12 we have selected three festivals to preview these are festivals that are either happening this weekend or are kicking off this weekend and as always with local festivals we encourage you please to get out and support if there's a festival on in your area this weekend or once you know we're into the summer season now the 1st of June uh, tomorrow there'll be so many festivals happening throughout June, July, August and even into September please support the festivals please support the local festivals they're run by volunteers many of them are run on a shoestring of a budget and uh, the committees put so much work into them and we need to make each and every one of them a huge success so please support your local festival we'll hear of ones that are happening locally after 12 today and also uh, before uh, 1 o'clock we will get suggestions of what's on in the movies with Mark Malone This is the Court Today replay on C103 Hi Patricia, new scam doing the rounds just to warn people. I just got, I got a text message last night telling me I'd won $530,000. Great news, isn't it? Things can only get better. I might rush off and do the lottery today, says a texter. News straight away, it was a scam. That's a new one as well, a text message saying you've won money. Be careful, just delete them immediately. Okay, on the recount, the cost of the recount and the fact that it could take anything from three weeks to six weeks depending 
on whose uh, impression you're taking of how long it's actually going to take. I suppose nobody knows for sure because it's 755,000. We don't know the speed at which the counters are going to go. We don't know how many counters are going to be there. We do know they're going to work nine to five. So I suppose after the first day we'll get a rough idea will we how long it's going to take we could this is some of your thoughts coming in on this a Douglas listener says we could simply get rid of proportional representation and let it be first past the post that would be one way to end this debacle with the count that's for says a Douglas uh, listener Maura says if they want the recount that badly then let Sinn Féin pay for it why should it be the taxpayers who are paying for it Mag says Patricia training people to count paper votes surely that's not rocket science I've got a suggestion for them I say let them employ local students who could do with the money like the 17 year old boy from Mallow whose mother contacted the radio station remember earlier this week looking for, for a summer job for him stay local says Mags give the jobs to young uh, people and a couple of other people are wondering how much I'm trying to find out how much how much do you actually uh, get somebody says what I want to know is um, how much are the counters getting if no one turns up I'll do it for a few euro sorry in this day and age it just appears to be too much money one million euro why can't the person and the party I suppose accept the uh, loss well, it's 320 odd votes out of 755,000, even though I did a bit of research last night trying to find on recounts how many results were overturned and I couldn't find uh, any. What what has a tendency to happen is they will uncover mistakes. Of course they will. Human error. But for every mistake they'll unturn, there'll probably be another one that'll balance it out. So it doesn't really come out with a huge difference at the end of it. And I don't know if we get halfway through the count, will the Sinn Féin party, if they're, if they're not showing up uh, anomalies? Because if you think on the checking that went on, the recheck that happened this week, yesterday, the day before, I don't know what day I have, yesterday, Lee and Eri, they went up by one vote from that recheck. So you, you think it going on that, you know, will they really be able to find, you know, 330 odd votes in order to put her put her ahead of the Greens. I don't know. Un, only time will tell. So I don't know if they get halfway through it, will they decide no, that's it. Or if they're seeing mistakes, will they decide to go the full uh, hog? So I am trying to find out exactly how much does the ca- the person get pay- gets paid. It's From what I can gather, it's normally council staff do the work of counting and ex-council staff, am I right in saying that? That's what it appears to be. But that's council staff who will take time off work. They'll take holidays. They'll go and work in the count centres. But they, obviously, the majority of those will be back at work, except for the retired ones. Uh, they can go back in again. But I think more is Mags. Thanks, sorry, Mags. Mags' suggestion is a good one. Why not hand those jobs out to young people, young students who could do that people are going to get paid. I mean, you know, I, I, I think she's right. It isn't rocket science to teach them how to count 
bundles of 50 and to make sure that everyone in that bundle of 50, all the ones are in the right, you know, all the ones are together. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Let's take a quick break though and we'll come back and chat with Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter and stay on this topic. This time yesterday we were speaking with our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran live from Nemo Rangers who was outlining at the time how a full recheck of the papers of Sinn Féin's Leonie Rieda and Green's Grace O'Sullivan was underway to de- try to determine who would take the final seat in the European elections for our Ireland South to outline exactly what happened yesterday. Fiona Corcoran once again uh, joins me on the programme. Hey, good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. No, I suppose, I'm not live from Nemo. No, you're not. <laughs> but it, it, makes a diff- it makes a change. It really does. I know, yeah. Oh. It was funny last, yesterday... Um, you could just see there when they were closing the doors and they were sealing up all the um, all the doors into the main hall and Nemo Rangers there where all the votes are. So they're going to be under uh, guard and watch for the whole weekend. And then we're back into the whole process again on Tuesday. So go back to yesterday. Just remind us why we had the recheck first. So on um, on Wednesday night, uh, Billy Kelleher, Fianna Fáil's Billy Kelleher was elected um, on the 17th count. And then his votes, his surplus votes were uh, distributed and on the 18th count um, the person with the least amount of votes was Leonie Rieda Sinn Féin's Leonie Rieda and she was 327 votes behind uh, Green Party Senator uh, Grace O'Sullivan so um, the Sinn Féin party and Leonie Rieda called on Wednesday night for a recheck and a full recount so what happened yesterday was when we went into the hall at 9 o'clock the count staff went through all of Leonie Rieda's papers they went through all of Grace O'Sullivan's papers and that took us up until um, just around 2 o'clock yesterday half 2 and uh, during that recheck of of their papers there was up to 200,000 papers between the two candidates and they found what equated to one um, extra vote that Leah would have got so um, the Sinn Féin party then made the decision that they wanted to go ahead with the full recount and that is going uh, the returning officer Martin Harvey adjourned the proceedings and said that he would come back then on Tuesday to start the whole process again so basically uh, for on Tuesday morning, the count staff at Nemo Rangers are going to have to go back to the very, very start and go through all the papers of all 23 candidates once again. There's over 755,000 papers that need to be rechecked. Now, we've heard a lot um, in the last 24 hours about the cost of this recheck or recount and the amount of time that it's going to take. And We did ask Martin Harvey about that yesterday and he said that... Um, it's going to take at least 28 days. That's their estimate anyway, that it's going to take at least 28 days to do this full recount because of the amount of papers and because of the amount of staff. And I told you yesterday, Patricia, that the amount of staff that they have is getting less and less as the day goes on. Um, they had 200 staff counting at Nemo Rangers um, at the very start of this process on Saturday. That went down to about 80 yesterday and they expect that number to go down again because people have other jobs that they have to get back to. We're coming into holiday season so people have other things that have been booked in advance and you know, and they, um, so they're going to have less staff. They also, 
you know, the staff have been there counting from 9 o'clock in the morning until 11, 12 o'clock at night. But they're not going to be able to do that um, going forward. So they're looking at working in a system of a 9 to 5, 9 to 6, Monday to Friday. So they won't be doing weekends, they won't be doing long evenings. So obviously they'll have less time again then um, during the day to count. So that's going to increase the amount of days. Um, and to cover the cost then of the staff, the hall, the, the catering, um everything else, it's estimated that it's going to cost up to a million euro. Now, um, it may take a shorter length of time, um, but that's what that's what they were telling us yesterday, that it could be at least 28 days and it could cost up to a million euro. Yeah, and I have to say, since I've mentioned earlier in, in, in the last hour that you were coming on today to discuss this, and since I've mentioned the one million euro, mm. people are really, really getting very annoyed about uh, the cost uh, of yeah. it. And even when it, um, when all that information uh, got online yesterday and on various different social media platforms, that was the thing that people were giving out about. Um, people are really angry at the fact that it's going to cost so much money and take so much time. Um, now, from Sinn point of view, uh, you know, we put all of this to um, Jonathan O'Brien um, yesterday, TD John, Jonathan O'Brien and uh, Donico O'Leary, TD as well. And um, they said, Jonathan O'Brien said that he didn't put a price on democracy, that this is the way it works and, um, you know, there's very few votes in it. The any reader is in danger of losing a seat and, um, you know, they want that they're fully entitled to press ahead with this recount. It's their it's their democratic right, I suppose, to, to have this recount. And I spoke to a couple of other people. I spoke to um, Dan Boyle from the Green Party yesterday and asked him what would they do if they were in a similar situation and he said that they would seriously consider a recount as well and other representatives of other parties who were there yesterday that I spoke to said the same so I suppose, um, you know, I know people are angry at Sinn Féin but you can kind of understand why they are calling for the recount and other parties have said that they would probably do the same as well but I suppose the question is um, it's 327 votes so is she likely to get those votes like would there have been 327 mistakes made in this process over but the history last of other counts will say no yeah, of, of recounts it. will, will, and will say no and with a recheck when it was only one vote that she would have gained um, now uh, admittedly that was not my strong point but they were saying to me yesterday uh, Sinn Féin members were saying to me yesterday that it um, works out at a 0.03% difference um, and that equates to about five votes in a general election um, so for, uh, I, suppose, I suppose it's just because there's so many papers, such a big constituency mm. um, so I, they feel that it's, worth it's a strong possibility yeah, that yeah. they might and, and, and I know I know, I got a bit confused uh, yesterday when I heard um, because when I heard that there was only one vote was, that mm. she'd gained from 200,000 papers but mm. uh, and then I heard Johnson O'Brien say that that, that equated to 2% of the overall count and I was thinking well how could it be because 200,000 would be 26% of the, mm. the votes that were cast but it was explained to me last night that the reach check was just the top paper on the bundles of 50 Yeah like they, they broke it up into um, say a thousand papers and so it was broken into bundles then of 50, which contained, or bundles of 20, which contained, 20 bundles, which contained 50, 50 papers. Yeah. And they looked at the top one to see, was everything okay? Um, and then 
they moved on then to the next one. Yeah, but and then obviously if on, on then on the top one, then they would have checked that. that well, yeah, but there, but obviously now on a recount. Every single, every single yeah. thing. All right. And that's why it's going to be such a long process as well. I think, like, you know, I was looking at some of the comments on social media yesterday. People were saying, like, I'll go in and count. <laughs> you know, just pay me and I'll go in and do it. I know. But these people have all been trained to do it. It's not just a case of looking at the paper and saying, all right, well, there's your number one, there's number one. Um, like, there's a whole mathematical formula to it as well. Um, and it is a very long and slow process at the best of times. Um, but... Uh, it, the party as well could decide, Patricia, as well, uh, after the weekend, or even like into the into the recount that they don't want to continue with it. That they And that's um, happened in the past. Yeah. They'll get halfway so, through and, and realise that there's uh, not enough anomalies being turned up, so we'll walk yeah, away. Yeah, that, that's it. Like, you know, so that could happen as well. But, um, you know, we just don't know. We just, um, as it stands, we're all back on, well, they're all back on Tuesday morning at nine o'clock and... Um, we just have to wait and see then what happens. Okay. Um, like it's interesting as well. I was talking to um, Dan Boyle yesterday, and he was saying that even though Sean Kelly and Billy Kelleher have been deemed elected, they haven't actually been declared elected. So they will not be jumping on the plane over to Brussels next yeah. week. They can't until all of the constituency has been filled. And if Martin Harvey's projection that it's going to take twenty eight days is the case, that's twenty eight working days. So that could actually run to six weeks which would bring us into the middle of July. And at that stage, the constitution of the EU Parliament will have already been made. That's happening on the 1st of July. And um, they'll be selecting committees on the 10th of July. So if the Ireland South MEPs are not there, then... We'll miss out. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, listen, go away. And are you doing absolutely nothing for the weekend? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And breathe. De-stress and have a lovely weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She's played a blinder uh, all week. She really has. I mean, it's hard to believe that it was this day last week. I was saying, go out and exercise your constitutional right and make sure you vote. And here we are still talking about it. That's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. Hello, this is Rod Stewart. We've given it away. The Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play on C103. Hi there. Hi, what's your name? Marie. What's your surname, Marie? Feelin. And where are you from, Marie Feelin? I'm from Dunmire. Marie Feelin. You just won 3,000 So, congratulations to Marie Phelan from Glanmire for winning €3,000 on the Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play. And stay listening for the best way to win big on C103. 84% of newsagents and convenience store retailers have been the victims of aggressive, violent and threatening behaviour. The findings are part of a new security report from the organisation representing the store owners. The survey was carried out among nearly 2,000 members of the Convenience Store and News Agents Association in February of this year. 43% uh, who were asked say they'd been a victim of crime within a month of answering the survey. The CEO of the group Convenience Store News Agents Association is Vincent Jennings uh, who joins me. Good morning to you uh, Vincent. Good morning. Now, some of these figures are truly shocking and the, the obvious one I suppose when you think about crime for these type of shops is shoplifting. But what other types of crime are your members seeing? Yeah, uh, and, and, and shoplifting can lead to matters which if, there, if there's a confrontation, it may well lead to... No, we're limiting this to 
matters which are aggressive, which are threatening or which are violent. So the shoplifting is, I won't say it's part of every day, but it's there. And and actions that lead to claims for defamation, for false arrest and things like that are also there, or false accusations are also there. But we're talking about people, feral youths, gangs of people, individuals acting in a fashion that must be considered to be threatening, must be considered to be aggressive or violent. So this is not a dispute over the price of something, unless it leads out of hand. This is people actually putting fear into others. They're walking into stores, they're stealing property, they are acting in, 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 in cohorts with others to put fear into people, um, they're walking out without paying, they're jumping the counters, they're doing all kinds of things that any normal person uh, would feel threatened uh, and, 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 and afraid from. And it's time to stop and it needs to stop because it is creeping up. I'm 50 years in business now and uh, certainly it is getting far, far worse. Is, is it a new phenomenon? Why do you believe this type of crime is it, on the increase? It, yeah, it's because it isn't being nipped in the bud. And yeah. that's why we're calling for, uh, it, was, it was a phrase that was used 25 years ago, perhaps, uh, in, in, in New York. But we're calling for zero tolerance. That's something that is a crime, be it theft or otherwise, needs to be prosecuted. That you need to show people that there is a line and this is the line. It is not acceptable to steal. It is not acceptable to act in a threatening fashion. And there will be consequences from this. And it needs to start because it all, every last one of the people who are uh, in courts for much more serious, uh, they began their lives not in by murdering. They began their, their, their criminal behaviours in what's considered by some to be petty matters. You're right. But yeah, That's yeah, a really yeah, good point. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the petty crime that starts right. them uh, on on that road. Um, it is, Patricia. And uh, are your members, do they always report it or do they see it as a waste of time to report it? And how do the Gardaí handle it when it is reported? Yeah, well, look, there's no simple answer to that, Patricia. Uh, do they report it? Yes, they do. Uh, do they get uh, actions? It depends very much upon who's listening to them and what division it's in, what how busy they are, how stretched the guardies themselves are. And also, quite frequently, because it is somebody who has carried out this action on a number of occasions, the guard or the judge or whatever treats them in a fashion that is um, not consistent with good policing in the long run. They're let off. Or, I mean, how do you explain somebody with 134 convictions going into a shop with a meat cleaver, stealing a till, actually being out on the streets to do that type of thing. How, do, how does anybody explain that that can happen in a, in a, in a, in a society that is supposed to be uh, uh, caring for all, including the law-abiding? Is that, that was, it was, is that an actual case? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, an uncle, and it was reported in the examiner during the week, an uncle and a nephew went into one of our members' stores. Between the two of them, they had 134 convictions. They went in with a meat cleaver, stole the till, ran out the door with the till. Can you imagine looking down at a meat cleaver or a double-barrel shotgun or an imitation? I mean, a member of ours very recently, a staff member, was persuaded to open the till because there was somebody holding a gun, literally holding a gun, it was a replica with how does she know, to a customer's head and said, I will blow this woman's head off if you don't open the till. How frightening is that? It's just, I mean, it's so distressing and worrying to think of staff. They must be nervous going to work if they're putting up with that kind of aggressive and threatening behaviour. The staff most certainly deserve better. The, 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 the customers in our stores deserve better. 
and we as business people deserve better. Because when I read your headline figure that 84% said that they'd been a victim, I, I yeah. thought that was a misprint. I said, I oh, could be 84%. 8 in 10, yeah. That's, that, that's all over the country. So this isn't yeah. just an urban or a city no, problem. Not. This is a rural problem as no, well. No, it's not. It is in Mallow. It is in Yall. It is in Bandon. It is in Cork City. It is throughout Yes, yeah, so, someone is making the point. I'm so glad that you're highlighting and that the association is highlighting uh, this issue. What I find really intimidating is if I want to go to my local corner shop, it's the groups of young people hanging around outside. outside they can absolutely. be very intimidating. For sure they can. And aggressive begging outside the shops can be very can be, can be very intimidating. You know, elderly people going down for the pint of milk or going down for a little bit of socialisation yeah. should not be subjected to this type of thing. Should not be. They they went for their peaceful uh, uh, business a bit about the business peacefully. They should be entitled to do that, in no matter what age they are. But spe- specifically for people who are uh, getting on in years, they're not they're not expecting that. I'm a great advocate, Vincent, on this program for shopping local, and I'm 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 yes. constantly banging on about it and telling people, thinking, you know, yeah. to shop local because if, if you don't, when your local store goes, you know, when you want that pint of milk, you can't go online and order your pint of milk, you know, because you want it there and then, and you'll bemoan the fact that your your local convenience store, the exact stores that you're talking about, Vincent, will all regret when they're gone. But if this kind of behaviour keeps up, I I can understand why people would decide I'm getting out of this business. Yes, yes, yes. Or you will find it, you know, increasingly more difficult to retain staff because, I mean, no person goes to work uh, uh, believing that they're going to, that this may well be the last day that they will not be disfigured. You know, these are real problems for people. And it's society and, you know, the judges, the guardie and the lawmakers need to actually see that this is not crying wolf. This is a real problem. And it's something that just creeps up on you over the years. You know, so, so it gets to a point where you have somebody with 50 convictions, 80 convictions, 100 convictions, that they're still out on the streets, that they're still running right. And this has to stop. And it really has to be the case that we, the law-abiding, honest-to-God, uh, uh, tax-paying people, are entitled to shout out and say, protect us from these people. Enough. Do your job. Enough is enough. Okay, well put. Uh, we leave it there, uh, Vincent. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. And thank you for highlighting uh, it. Good, good morning to you. That is uh, Vincent Jennings, CEO of the Convenience Store and News Agents uh, Association. Shocking findings, I have to say, on uh, that uh, particular uh, report. 1850-333-103. There's a lot of texts coming in, particularly on the issue of the recount. People are just not happy uh, with that, I'll get to those afternoons at uh, 11. Uh, we also, afternoons at 11, are going to be hearing that about that new helpline that's just gone live, a free phone, a 1800 helpline, which is designed for male victims of domestic abuse. Uh, we'll talk with the people behind that all in the next hour. But let's take a break and let's go to the newsroom for News with Barry at 11. It's a Bon Jovi bank holiday on C103. It's my Jovi. Stay listening this weekend to grab your free tickets to see Bon Jovi at the RDS Dublin Sunday, June 16th. Bon Jovi. Live.
Listen and win all weekend on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Bloom, as we know, is on this weekend in uh, Dublin. And I just want to give a mention to a garden that we spoke about that was going to feature in Bloom because it's picked up an award. It's the Ballanine Enniskeen Area Heritage Group together with the Beda Community Group and the Tidy Towns Group. They have received a highly com- commended award. We spoke with them about their A Sense of Place. It's a postcard garden and it was designed to honour the Cork playwright, critic and former director of the Abbey Theatre, Lennox Robinson. So well done because a lot of work went into that but well done to all involved picking up highly commended and also thrilled to see that the Enable Ireland Diversity Garden, which is designed by a lady by the name of Linda McCombe, that was named Best in Category in the Medium section. And we have a huge interest here in Cork in that particular garden because once Bloom is finished, the garden is going to be rebuilt at Enable Ireland's new children's centre. And that's the children's centre that's going to open in Corraheen in Cork later this year. And that new centre, I know we will be talking about it closer to the time. It'll be a state-of-the-art purpose-built facility. It'll be a respite house for over 600 children uh, with disabilities and their families. And they're going to have a stunning garden. And now it's a garden that comes with the honour of being named Best in Category in Bloom. Terrific. Well done and congratulations to everybody involved there. Let me go to some of your many calls and comments coming in to us with regard to the recount that's going to go on on Tuesday morning in Ireland at South called the recount has been called by the Sinn Féin party because their candidate Leah Nirida is a little over the 327 votes separate her it means she she loses her seat over 327 votes so they have gone for a full recount but what's annoying people is the length of time that the recount is going to take and looking down at the texts and comments coming in it's also the cost of it let me just give you a sample of some of the ones uh, coming in Mike says we will have no one to represent us at EU level let Sinn Féin come up with the million euro to cover the cost of this recount where else within the EU does this type of chaos occur. That's from Mike. Somebody else says, Patricia, people who have jobs should not get jobs at count centres. There are very good people, very well educated, highly trained people who have no jobs and they'd love a chance of getting a few days of work. Dennis says, I tell you, Patricia, I've never voted for Sinn Féin and I never will. They are a bunch of whiners. They only have two trains of thought bring down the government and general taxation doesn't work. So now I have to cough up through general taxation because they don't like the result of this election and I'm not happy with that. If they want to recount then let them pay for it themselves and if something happens and they find votes to get Leah over the line then they can apply to the Exchequer to recover the costs. I could live with that says Dennis. But a million what could a million do? It could build four or five decent houses. It could help pay the carers support payment next month. It could be extra for pensions, for social welfare etc. All this is proving to me is that Sinn Féin are a bunch of sore losers and could not give a toss about Brexit. All they want is power. Kind regards and that's from Dennis who's not a happy camper today. Morning Patricia, an election commission definitely needs to be set up to look at how 
we vote. We need to look at the length of the ballot paper. We need to look at the number of candidates that are on the ballot paper. And we certainly, after what's happening here in Cork, we need to look at how we count the votes. Leo Varadkar did mention electronic voting yesterday. So maybe it is something that they're going to look at again. Someone else says, uh, just reading the Irish Examiner, it's around €30 Euro per hour that counters get at the count centre. That, in my opinion, is this texture is too much. Yeah, I read somewhere it's about €350 Euro a day. Is that what I didn't realise it was an hourly rate? But it would make sense. There would have to be an hourly rate, wouldn't it? Because Fiona spoke about counters starting at nine in the morning and some days this week they went on till 11 or 12 at night now, that's not going to happen from next Tuesday. They're going to work nine to five, and there won't be any any weekend work. And if it's a thirty euro an hour, um, that's uh, they'll get paid the hourly rate for what doing eight nine hour days. I'm I'm assuming. John in Clonakilty says, Patricia, they only checked the top of a few hundred bundles in the recheck yesterday. They found five ballots wrong. There is. Over 3,000 bundles of 50s alone, just between Grace O'Sullivan and Leah Nereida, says John and Clonakilty, who I'm assuming from that text, John, you're in favour of it, that they may find anomalies, they may find mistakes. But if they found five mistakes, four of them obviously balanced themselves out because Leo only ended up with one extra vote out of that re check uh, yesterday. Uh, also coming in on some calls into John Paul. John Paul said some very irate people contacting him. John says, I heard the returning officer say speak of this costing over €1 million. Euro. Well, he's unsure. I think that's just a guesstimate more than anything. It could actually be uh, even uh, higher. Um, many will, many of the counters will go back to full-time paid jobs. Why not bring in retired people? Those that are not on huge pensions. They've got time on their hands. They're intelligent enough uh, to do it. And also, says John, I don't see how it can take 28 days. What about the army? Some of the defence forces, we're hearing only lately how underpaid they are. They could do with an extra bit of cash. While John in Castletown Roach, thank you for this, John. He was actually at the count centre until yesterday. He said those rechecks were scrutinised at length. He said at any stage of the recount, which is starting next Tuesday, if Sinn Féin feel that it's not going their way within the recount, they can stop the whole thing. That's under new legislation. Whether they're going to be prepared to do that or not is another thing. But they can do it. They can stop it midway, says John. But John also makes the point, I'm sure, every party would want a recount if their candidate was in the similar position. And I think a lot of people will agree with that. I mean, the Greens themselves, while they're disappointed that there was a recount, they admitted themselves. I mean, even Dan Boyle was saying it, that if you flipped it over and Grace O'Sullivan was losing by 327, they will go for a recount uh, as well. Colm and Bottervent says, I'm raging with Sinn Féin for asking for a recount, especially when it's over 300 votes. Maybe it was 100 votes, that might be achievable, but 327 seems unrealistic. The outcome will remain the same. It is ridiculous, the amount of time. Also, Colm says, think of the families of the counters and the long days they've put in and they've got to go back and do it all over again on Tuesday. Where is democracy and all of that? Well, that's exactly what Jonathan Ryan says. It is democracy. That is democracy at work. The fact that we're allowing uh, recounts to go ahead. Dan and Bannon Hasek said, people have very short memories when it comes to people giving out about the €1 million. Euro. I was reading an article from a few years ago that states a pension pot of €75 million euro for those who failed the state. There was a photograph that included Bertie Ahern, Brown, Cowan and many others. And people are on about one 
one million. Look at that figure. That's the figure we should be complaining about. John in Mallow. Thanks that, Dan. John in Mallow says, I am getting 95 euro a day and I must provide my own food for the day. I work in the agri sector. Those counters are getting a big wage and I work long hours, says John in Mallow. That's, now we've, we now are at the stage of we people complaining about what the counters are actually uh, getting. OK, some of your WhatsApps coming in. 30 euro an hour, says a texter. I have worked nine to five and I tell you, I don't get 30 euro an hour. Michael says, Patricia, in the EU election, there can be a difference of up to a thousand votes to allow you to seek a recount. So, yeah, I don't think anybody is questioning that, you know, it is within the law what Fine Gael are doing. John Bandon says, Patricia, if God forbid the election results changes, is Grace O'Sullivan entitled to have another recount? Yeah. Yeah, she will be entitled if she, again, if, say, got flipped over and Grace O'Sullivan was, loses out by 300 odd votes. Yes, she would be entitled uh, to do it. And a final WhatsApp petition, my personal opinion, is that they can stay there counting for as long as they want once Sinn Féin pays for it. It's a bloody disgrace. Jonathan O'Brien saying you can't put a price in democracy. How patronising is that? The money's not coming out of his pocket and that's from Tim in the truck. And then another Tim, if lots of Tims listen to this programme, this is time it's Tim in Mallow uh, by email to patricia at c103.ie. We've been listening for the last 10 years to Sinn Féin's demands for value for money and for taxpayers to fund housing etc. We now see their true colours. They put their own interests ahead of taxpayers spending a million on this useless recount they haven't a hope of making up 320 votes the salary of an MEP for five years doesn't even come to one million that's disgraceful that's from Tim in Mallow The latest jobs on C103 official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday June 2nd get working now to run the full half or relay more details at c103.ie First and second fit carpenters are wanted for the Cork and Limerick areas. Sales Sense, they are recruiting for sales agents that's to work across Cork. While a full-time air conditioning refrigeration engineer and a three-year apprentice plumber all wanted for the North Cork area. And the Longboat Bar in Doris, they are looking for full-time bar staff. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. C103 presents the 22nd Inishannon Steam Rally, June 2nd and 3rd. See old-time threshing, steam engines, old vintage tractors, cars, trucks, motorbikes and the parade of old harvest machinery. There's cake sales, vintage club displays, trade stands, sheepdog trials, dog show, tug of war and more. With a pet's corner, a fun fair and live entertainment. See Inishannon Steam and VintageRally.com. There's fun for all the family at the Inishannon Steam Rally, June 2nd and 3rd with C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Male victims of domestic violence can now seek support from expert counsellors via a new phone advice line that has just gone live. The advice line can be um, accessed on 1800 
816-816-5888 and we will give that number again at the end of the interview and it's run by the Men's Development Network. Joining me with further details is the CEO of the Men's Development Network and that is Sean Cook. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm, very, you. I'm very well and you're, and you're welcome to, to the programme. Okay, start, what are the figures on the number of men who've been abused by a partner at some point in their lives? Or do we have any firm figures? Well, I think that the, the most recent figures that we have at the moment from the National Crime Aid estimated that around 88,000 uh, men would have had uh, suffered significant kind of uh, abuse at some stage. But the, most, the more interesting figure is that about only 5% of those men would actually report an incident or seek support around that incident. So you that's know, so why it's very hard to get absolute definitive figures, isn't it? Because I think so, yeah. I think so. It's very, very difficult in terms of uh, the, the, there's a lot of barriers that prevent men from seeking that, the, the type of support that they possibly need around this type of stuff. There's a lot of kind of social conditioning and stereotypes, and uh, male stereotypes about not being seen to be weak or to be emotional or to be, uh, you know, uh, a victim of something like that. It kind of goes against their manliness or their manhood, wherever it may be, you know. So it is very, very difficult to, to really quantify it. So uh, is, is there a lot of shame and embarrassment around I think it? That, I think that is the key element of it, is that, you know, that men feel ashamed. Like, and this would be very similar in terms of also from uh, women who suffer from domestic abuse as yeah. well, is that there's an element, of, a significant element of shame uh, of blaming themselves in relation to what's actually happening. Uh, you know, so uh, that's a very, that, that's a, that's across the board. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do as well uh, in terms of the advice line, although it is specific to men, to men, we're trying to say, listen, this is part of a suite of services uh, for for domestic abuse generally, and it just it does focus on men. But the same issues are the same for both genders in relation to uh, domestic abuse. Uh, I think that the reality has been over the over the past couple of years, the traditional understanding of domestic abuse was somebody with a black eye or bruises or whatever it may be. But we now know that domestic abuse has many many different forms, from psychological, emotional, financial, cultural, sexual. You know, so there's there lots of different ways in which it can manifest itself. And there's been a lot of talk lately, and I, and I know we did an interview uh, only a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't get over the reaction we got to it with course of control. Uh, and that's, and uh, yeah, it, and it's, there's a lot of stuff happening, and there's a lot of ads on the, tel- on the radio and television now around that kind of idea. What do we mean by course of control? It's now included in the act, uh, you know, and this is very much related to uh, in-house kind of uh, control, whether it be. Uh, or from people who are support to older people. You know, the, the, the ad that's at the moment is very clear around saying, oh, I'll get your messages for you and I'll take a few quid myself, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, that type of stuff. So that kind of coercive control, but we're talking about other sons with mothers, daughters with fathers, you know, older, older people being controlled and managed for the, but to, not to their benefit, to the benefit of other people. So, yeah, and so the quest control sort of is a massive issue, and I think when we look at this, is the great thing in some ways around the whole thing around domestic abuse and abuse generally that people are a lot more aware of that the kind of the broad nature of it now. Like they don't just think about it in the traditional sense; they do look at it from the psychological stuff. Um, and this is beyond henpecking. You know what I mean, I know, it's about I that know. kind of patterns of behaviour that undermine somebody, uh, that prevent them from seeking uh, being being involved with their own family that uh, prevent them access to finance, you know, that all of the major decisions that are made around the home are controlled by one individual and, and they, they're not really consulted about it. So there's lots of various different forms which it takes. And uh, 
Uh, and I think it's good that the awareness now is very much around that, much broader understanding of it, and that when men go and present now, there's a greater chance that they will be heard. And believed. And believed I mean, isn't that, that's the big one for anyone who is suffering is abuse is, will I be believed? Yeah. Yeah, and I, like it, it, some of these situations are hard to believe, <laughs> you know. I know. And I think what's been very uh, good at the moment now has been that, just say, even the training now that the Gardaí would have ha- uh, have access to in Tampa more around domestic abuse would actually kind of uh, highlight these issues so that so the people who are dealing with these type of with people coming in and making presentations in relation to particular issues like that, they are a lot more clued into what's actually happening and that therefore they'll be a lot more empathetic and sympathetic to this situation and would take this thing seriously. So one of the things we're trying to do is get away from that perception that men would turn up at a, at a guard station and wouldn't be treated seriously in relation to it. Uh, and I think that perception has to be dismantled because it's not exactly true. You know, I think if any man takes the chance or the opportunity to, to report something or to, to outline what's actually happening for him, I think the majority of times they would be taken really seriously. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Sean, how does talking to a trained counsellor help somebody? Well, I I think the first thing really is about uh, having the confidence to know that you're first off, you're talking to somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, And in doing that, it's probably maybe the first chance they've had to really explain what actually happened and how they actually feel about it. Because I think uh, they're, they're clearly saying that, studies would say that once you actually get an opportunity to say what's actually happening, uh, it kind of relieves the, 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 the pressure in relation to what, what's actually happening. You've, you've verbalized it in some way, and it releases a bit of more pressure around it. And it also allows you to kind of seek support in other areas that you might need to do. And I think what we're talking about with the advice line is that this is the first part of call. You have a chance to talk through it, have a chance to talk through how you feel about what's actually happened. And uh, and then that was probably it might take away some of the anger, it might take away some of the uh, uncertainty or the lack of confidence that you might have to actually make you say, okay, well, what's the next step for me now in terms of moving forward with this or dealing with this? You know, uh, how would I go about engaging my partner to kind of seek support and help around this? You know, so the, the, it's very much that starting point really. And I think once once people actually have an opportunity to speak about what's actually happening, I think it relieves a lot of the the pressure on them. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know. It's, yeah. As you say, because it's such a hidden problem, it's just, uh, in many cases, when somebody rings a helpline like the one you're offering, it may be the very first time they've ever spoken to anyone uh, about it. And I'm also conscious, Sean, of people, men uh, listening, who would have suffered domestic violence in the past and are now maybe thankfully out of the situation, mm. but have never dealt with it. Is Is your service there for them as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's very, whether it be past or present, uh, absolutely an opportunity to sit down and talk through that can always be valuable. And most people are quite resilient, uh, Patricia, you know, but I think sometimes, you know, having an opportunity to talk through something that you've dealt with, uh, you've tried, you've managed it, you know, but you have an opportunity to talk through it again. Uh, as I said, again, it relieves that kind of uh, burden, really, to a certain degree. And I think, uh, um, you know, there's no doubt that people were we all know the impacts of abuse are long, you know, uh, and, and they take a long time to, uh, to go away and they don't go away without a certain amount of help, you know, uh, and uh, giving you opportunities to manage it in an effective way. Yeah. yeah. So uh, certainly we would be encouraging people who've, who've gone through it. And I think the other thing as well is that we're kind of, um, 
given an opportunity for men to even even ask the question: Is this abuse? Even yeah. uh, am I being abused? You know, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and even to get themselves through that kind of conversation. That's yeah. Uh, how many men would? How many men would you hope to help? Have you any idea on how many calls you? You've, I suppose it's hard to work well, out. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to know, really. I know, yeah. the, the, like, the A-Main service is also in place there as well. We're just going to, we've just distinguished our service ourselves in terms of that we were, there's four parts to what we're doing in terms of the work in partnership with TUSLA, who are the, or the agency who are funding the programme. We are also doing some specific training in relation to uh, domestic abuse uh, with the support workers on the, on the line. Um, we're also doing some research in terms of uh, barriers for men accessing services like it, and also the prevalence in relation to male domestic abuse. And then the, 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 we're also then doing an intervention program with couples uh, as well to, to kind of to, to dealing with kind of managing conflicts within the home setting, you know. And that's like the, it's the step down from actual physical abuse, but it's about rather than escalate, see can we do some work around managing conflict, how that emerges, and how it does escalate. Well, so to, tr- to try to stop it happening in the future—that's that's terrific. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of interventions happen with families and stuff like that. It's based around parenting and it's based around various different things, uh, and they happen with too. So, but we're kind of saying, listen, just some of the issues that happen around homes and where there's just conflict. There's an air of conflict in the area, in the ho- in the home, and it doesn't man. It's not being managed very very effectively. People banging doors and shouting, and even to be aware that those type of things are kind of. They're aggressive in their nature and that we need to find ways in which to deal with the, the issues without the shouting and roaring and how do we manage that and how do we do that before it does escalate into a violent situation. As you know, and as we're kind of clearly saying that all kind of conflictual situations at home don't necessarily end up in a violent scenario, mm-hmm. but some of them do. And, okay, uh, and it's a, it's, a fr- it's a free phone number, one eight hundred eight one six five eight eight. What are the opening hours uh, initially, yeah, Sean? Yeah, Monday to Friday. Uh, okay. Monday and t- Wednesdays from 10am to 6pm. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 noon to 8pm. And then on a Friday from uh, 2 to 6. And in the ideal world, you'd have that 24-7, would you? Well, yeah, I think so. It would be good to have the service out there, but I suppose the resources are what they are. Yeah. The best what we can at this stage. Get it off the yeah. ground. Get it off the ground. Yeah. And just finally, before I let you go, tell me about the Men's Development Network. Well, the network was a, it's a developmental uh, organisation around uh, working with men. Uh, we have a number of programmes that we uh, we work with. We have a Men's Development Programme, which is very often supporting building capacity among men in small support groups. We also have a health program where we do a lot of training uh, with frontline staff uh, and community organisations around engaging men around our health. Uh, we also run a national program for uh, domestic violence in terms of perpetrators of domestic violence. Uh, and also we have a counselling service as well. And we are the main organisation um, who roll out the White Ribbon campaign in Ireland, which is an ending violence against women campaign. So. We're the first organisation in the, in, the, in the country that actually runs the service that's both for abuse victims and perpetrators. Well done. Well done. Yep. It's terrific. We will talk again, no doubt. In the meantime, Sean, good luck with this and thanks for joining us on the programme. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Good Appreciate morning to you. Bye bye. Sean Cook there, CEO of the Men's Development Network, who have just uh, set up this support service telephone helpline uh, for, for in the main for. Uh, men uh, suffering at the hands of domestic, uh, sexual or gender-based uh, violence. And the number again is one eight hundred eight one six five eight eight. 816 
Our number is 1850 333 103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text our WhatsApp at 0862 103 103. A reminder to you that we still have one of those family passes to give away for the Inishannon Steam and Vintage Rally. We'll be doing that in the next hour. We'll also be previewing the festival, but we do have another one of those family passes to give away and you can use it on either of the two days. You can either go on the Sunday or the Monday. It is up to you. And a quick mention to a lovely email that I did from Margaret on behalf of the Mallow Active Retirement uh, Group to say that some of the members attended a play in the Mallow Library uh, this day last week. It was the Charleville, young Charleville playwright Katie Holly, who we've spoken about on this programme before. Actually, her mum emailed me at one stage. She's, she's, a, she's a real name to look out for and watch out for. She's a great, great talent. And this is a, a play that she wrote called Crossroad. And it was performed in the Mallow Library. It was part of the Bielsen Festival. I did mention it as well because it toured around many libraries across Cork as part of uh, Bielsen. Anyway, Margaret from the Mallow Active Retirement Group sent an email to say it was most enjoyable and of particular interest was a local man, Danny Buckley. He played the part of the older man. She also says that the library in Mallow has fantastic facilities and active retirement actually play cards there every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon between two and four and they're always looking for new people to join them. They play 45s. They say we're not professionals and we'll teach anyone that's interested. So if you have time in your hands between two and four Tuesdays or Thursdays head to the library if you'd like to take up some card playing. 1850-333-103 lines open. It's a Bon Jovi bank holiday on C103. It's my Jovi. Stay listening this weekend to grab your free tickets to see Bon Jovi at the IDS Dublin Sunday, June 16th. Bon Jovi. Listen and win all weekend on C103. This night week, Friday, June 7th, Mike Morgan, one of Ireland's up-and-coming comedians, will be playing a gig in his hometown of Mallow. Uh, it's on in the Hibernian Hotel to give us a flavour of what people can, can expect. I'm delighted to say Mike Morgan joins me in studio. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, Thanks for having me. Well, I, it's, it's our pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. In, in Is doing stand-up in your hometown one of the hardest gigs yes. because you'll know a lot of people in the audience yes this is this is the last gig I had in mind basically I, I've done gigs all over the world I've done them in San Francisco I've done them all over the world and the last place I wanted to do was Mallow we were going to do it last year we were going to do it last year but I did it in Ballincollig instead I was just and then we sold out that room so I was like wait one year and we're ready to bring it to Mallow then basically and uh, yeah just, just can't wait to do it very nervous about it with all the people that's coming Like, but um, this show is just it's going to be amazing for North Cork people will, like. will you eyeball people you know no, or will you deliberately look away from I will people? deliberately look away and not look at them <laughs> at all. No way. No, no, no. I'm not looking at them. No, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the actual show itself, is it specifically designed for a North Cork audience? No, or? no. No, it's, it's, it's for everything. It will have little tweaks here and there just for the locals, for little gags for like that they'll get about chasers and about little things around the town like that. Like and uh, But no, it's for everybody. And it doesn't matter if you're eight or... Well, we only have 18s and up. <laughs> but if you're 18 yeah. to 80, doesn't matter. There's something for everyone. When I've been doing it for four years so it's just a collection of all my best jokes wrapped into one hour and okay. uh, T- take me back those four years how, how does one become a comedian uh, you've t- 
be a messer basically like I, I i come from a family of messers i'm not even the funniest in my family to be honest they're all hilarious like um uh, i was just messing in school i, I i'm from tuper house i went to belty daniel national school uh all the teachers in there will say that i was a messer and then i went to the academy then and i just used to mess inside there all the time i didn't i actually didn't know but i was actually training myself for this like i did i never wanted to become a comedian but like in school and all this this is what i was training myself for and um all the teachers are coming down from the academy next friday night anyway so i i've wrecked our head enough for six years so it's it's nice to see him and, and, <laughs> and, and i'm sure over the years in school a teacher would have said to you you mike you're some comedian yeah was, was, you know it would have been yeah said to me loads of times so yeah. said to me loads of times yeah yeah but like that's just a saying i never really thought an irish person could become a comedian i thought like an american person did that or tommy tiernan that's it you yeah. know and um of course messing's great but like for leaving certain after that like i i was left with like not a great job not a great thing like that and uh, I, I always wanted to do stand-up comedy ever since i left school i was like 18 and i was like i have to do stand-up comedy and it took me to 23 till i had the rocks to go do it like and once i did it i've been doing it every week since then where, where can you remember your first gig i do i was in the coco comedy club a guy from uh, Ballyclaw called cornelius patrick o'sullivan runs it he gives everybody their first gig and I brought up half of Mallow with me and uh, <laughs> I, t- I thought I was brilliant because the next time I brought no one with me and no one left <laughs> so but at the time when no one left I was like yeah no this is definitely what I want to do uh, I was very excited about so it so have you had those shows where nobody laughed oh yeah oh yeah. yeah when I went to San Francisco for the first week everybody thought I was Mexican or something I don't know they, they didn't think I could speak English at all like they didn't think this was English like what, your, your, <laughs> new, your, your new two pot house accent my new it? two pot house accent yeah I had to really slow it down and then by the first week I was I was speaking too fast I had to really work on it and then by the end of the week I was nearly talking like an American like it's like so you guys how's it going what's the story with airline prices you know all that kind of stuff so they could get me like you know Yeah. but that was just a complete learning experience as well but I've had those gigs and everybody has those gigs I'm I'm lucky to work on the business side of it as well and I've seen the best of them not do well get crickets yeah, you know yeah. so it happens everybody and, like. and, and is it is it just is it just the audience on the night I mean what what, yeah. what, what you know what happens that it can work somewhere and then you get another audience that doesn't work for them it, it is it is it, it could be it could be the audience I try never to blame the audience to be honest because okay. if you're a professional comedian you should make anybody laugh just like if you're a builder build a house you shouldn't blame anybody like you know okay. that kind of way but um, oh it happens it happens and sometimes if you're off peak like you've got to be a comedian you got to be a professional now things mightn't be great at home or something might have happened an hour before the show and you have to go on and go hey hey how's it going how are you doing and it mightn't it might it might like transfer that it mightn't be a great gig and the audience might feed off it but there's a million different factors yeah. but uh, yeah you just have to make sure there's a consistency and that it doesn't happen maybe all the time maybe 9 out of 10 times you rock it like, you know. and then the buzz when you know I'm nailing this yeah. and you're getting the laugh. It, that must be the most incredible high. There's nothing more special than that. It does actually a low after it. I remember when I started, I remember I used to be gigging every weekend and I was doing very well. And on a Saturday night, I'd storm it and then I'd have to go back to work in a van on a Monday and I'd be like, oh my God, Like I have to wait till next week to get that high again. It was like a drug. It was literally like a drug. Yeah. Like like I'm dealing with it no way better, but like the highs and the lows of it and I love every bit of it. Like it's amazing. Like yeah. it's such an amazing game. And do you script, is the entire show scripted yes yeah. the entire show is scripted um, I, 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 I'll jump off p- topics here and there like, but I write all my jokes I, I, I write every day I try to keep them topical I try to turn over about an hour of material a year which is a, what a professional stand-up comedian should be doing they say a minute a week is what you should be writing so, an hour of material a, a year, year. A year is what a professional comedian should be writing. No, it sounds easy. It's not. Yeah. It does. It does sound very easy. Yeah. But for you to write an hour, for you to write one good minute, you have to write twenty terrible minutes. 
Right, you get okay. me? All right, yeah. or, or you might have to write 12 minutes and cut it all down. Like you might write a 12 minute bit, it might only be a two minute bit by the time it's fun and done with, you know, that kind of way. So that they say if you write a minute a year, that's 52 minutes, or a minute a week, that's 52 two minutes, minutes a year. Yeah. So you have a show a year on Netflix, well, and that's what they do. That's incredible. Yeah. And do you do that every day? Do you, every do you, day. Yeah. Every single day. Are you day. very structured in it? Are you structured, just, I'm gonna yeah. I'm going to sit down now, I'm going to write. Sit down, I'm going to write it, whether it be a sketch, whether it be like booking X or, or writing comedy, it'll always be comedy based. I sit down, I go to say, cafe in Cork City every week and sit down and write jokes and yeah love it absolutely love and it and where do you go for inspiration I go uh, for inspiration I, I, the Kino in Cork there's this little coffee shop called the Kino and everybody's very artsy inside there like it's yeah. not a vi- everybody's writing like no laptops it's all pen and paper and there's like nice music in the background and I just I, I really like it there that, that's where I feel I can write the most like because um, I need to be by myself and with my own thoughts like I won't just watch TV and go oh that's funny I'll write my own joke about that I need okay. to be and you don't wake in the middle of the night with the pen oh I need to write that down oh that happens yeah that Does happens it? a lot as well you might have something go quick before I forget write it because you'll forget it in the morning very easy like yeah yeah you have to keep topic and who makes you laugh uh, who makes me laugh um Dave Chappelle, Kevin Bridges, Richard Pryor, all the African-American uh, comedians from the 70s who have nothing to do with a fella from Tupac House. Uh, but yeah, all those guys have given me inspiration. And uh, just all my family and friends and everybody around Mallow is a comedian. Like, that's the thing. Like, like you, go to, you go to a pub here, you'll have the night of your life here because Mallow, they're all hilarious. And that's what, that's what was a big thing of me waiting on to put on a Mallow show is like, I want to make sure it's perfect. For yeah. people, like you know, that kind is of that, way. Is that a cork thing, though? Do you find that everywhere? Do you, I mean, yeah. you, cork people, yeah, cork are just funny, they're just hilarious. Cork and, and I put Kerry into that bracket are the best storytellers yeah. I'll ever see in the world. You could go anywhere around the world, a way a cork person will, will capture your thoughts and everything by the way he talks. Like, and, and cork comedians, I could tell you a cork comedian before his accent because his jokes are storytelling, not one liners, yeah. storytelling, you know. And I'd be similar to that now. That's your, yours are the same storyteller with gags in between, like, you yeah. know, yeah you, yeah, you you build up to the story you've done. You're getting really good on uh, Facebook at uh, promoting yourself, and, and it's one of the things of that comedian that's what you have to do. Yeah. You're the five things you need to know. The first one you put up was was Mallow. It was. Just just tell me about how they came about. You've done both of them. They can't talk since. Yeah, I I um I used to work I, I used to work with a, I used to be a support act before for a guy called Ross Brown who taught me so much. He taught me that was is it's not just being funny. You got to work hard online. No one's going to sell tickets for you. You got to do it yourself. So I was thinking I got a Mallow show. I've loads of things to say about Mallow. I I'm good at accents. I'm good at narrating. I'm good at any accent really. So I said, look, let's put an American accent here and do a documentary and. All these, so I was like, "Yeah, five things you need to know: slag chasers, slag all of that." And um, got a great reaction. Chasers to people outside the area is the late night bar. And yeah, you yeah. haven't you <laughs> haven't lived in Mallow until you've been to Chasers. Yeah, yeah. As I said in the thing, we're four generations of the same family go on the pull at the same time. So I put that accent on it. God, even Dinny Murphy was delighted with it. <laughs> was the owner of Chasers? <laughs> <laughs> but it was brilliant. I made one about Donrell Kentuck Butterfint. I'll be making a couple of more as it all goes on because it's getting a great and, reaction. And no one's ever taken offence uh, yeah they have Donrell I had to be taken down actually uh, because <laughs> because uh, it was offensive to some of the people in Donrell no uh, I understand uh, that it's a comedy page and not a fact page but I didn't have to take it down I just took it down because uh, 
if it was offending one or two people in the school, in Nagel Rice School, I said I'd take it down like and that. And you like, live very close to Donald. Yeah, I do Dan live very close to Donald, so I don't want to be killed. No, 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 no. All right. And, <laughs> and, and, and somebody says uh, Tom O'Connor always said the best place to get material was in a pub in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. If yeah. you go to any, yeah. any pub there. Yeah, there's a pub there in Cecilstown. I used to live out in Cecilstown there for two years. Tom Lyons out in Cecilstown. And a, a lot of my material comes from those old fellas up in the stool as well. They're, they're naturally just hilarious. Like, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant jo- characters. Johnny Bongo says, best of luck. You're an amazing guy thanks Johnny, Johnny Bongos yeah, Johnny's a great, a great a great musician and drummer from uh, Mallow oh, and is, is it now your full time job yes you're, I've been uh, doing it for you, four you're years you're out of the van now I'm you? out of the van I quit my job about a year and a half ago to do it full time um, I've opened up a club in the Maradike Entertainment Complex uh, called the Wonky Donkey Comedy Club um, I used to work in City Limits for two years. I was the MC in, well, I was the resident uh, comedian in City Limits for two years, great club. And then there was a new project in the Maradike, and the Maradike asked me to be their MC with their new project, and I was delighted. And now I run things for them. I book acts, I do the MCing, I turn on the lights, I set up the room, I shake hands coming in, I shake your hand coming out. I absolutely love it. It's something I didn't ask for, but it's something that I love. I absolutely love dealing with comedians, dealing with people, making them laugh. I just absolutely love that side and, uh, of it. There are a lot of people like you trying to trying to make it in in the comedy circuit. Uh, in, yeah, in I, I think right now the core comedy scene, the Irish comedy scene, is absolutely exploding. There must be about thirty five comedians in Cork wow. right now. You can do comedy every night in Cork now. When I started, you could only do one night, and that was it. It was a Saturday night, and that was it. Now you can do every night, every night. I run an open mic as well. And if if there's anyone here thinking about com- becoming a comedian at any time, um, if you know anybody that's getting in trouble in school for messing, there's a place like us up in, for us up in Cork. We're like the X Men. Come up to Macronin's. It's Cashman's Bar on Thursdays, and you can have five minutes of jokes. Just go on up. It's open for everybody. Anybody that wants to tell jokes. And the Wonky Donkey Dance Friday night, which is a professional club, which is fourteen euros a ticket to get okay. in. Yeah. Okay. And hecklers? Do you get hecklers? hecklers? All the time. Every yeah. time. I love them. I love Do hecklers. You? Oh, I love hecklers, yeah. lad. Yeah, I love it. You see, my style, you see, I play a guy that's like, I, I'm not aggressive or I won't slag you, you see. Like, I play a nice guy, go happy go lucky guy on stage. So if a guy heckles me, I have to stay in that character. Because if I go into a guy, hey, no, you do this, and then go back to go, hey, like, the, people go, no, 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 you just turned into a monster there. No, you're a cute yeah. guy. No, no, forget about that. So I always try both of us to leave with a bit of respect. Do you know that kind okay. of way? I won't try roast a fella, okay. but uh, there'll be guys there on the bill that will try roast them. That'll be their game, like, to okay. deal with hecklers, you know. All right. So uh, tell me what the plan then for Friday night it's uh, there, there will be others there will be others yes yeah. I, I, I've called in huge favours the, uh, the guy who gave me my first ever gig and he runs the Coco Club uh, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan will be the MC on the night a guy who Cornelius won Cornelius sh- Patrick O'Sullivan Patrick O'Sullivan he just makes it long to be annoying he could just oh, be Con it? O'Sullivan but he's just annoying okay? I was uh, just going <laughs> to say we just call him Con we could okay. yeah but yeah he'd kill me if I called him Con uh, his baby's actually due today so he's gigging with me tonight. <laughs> I don't know. And also the guy who won Show Me The Funny, which is Ireland's most prestigious award, is uh, coming to support me as well. I won't okay. be able to afford him. It's only that he's my friend. He's coming to help me. So this is genuinely going to be the best show over the country, genuinely, in Mallow next Friday night. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite for €12. Euro. So type in California Love and there'll be €12. Euro and at the door, there'll be €15. Euros. So you can save a few pounds by getting them online. And uh, it's going to be amazing. I can't okay. wait. I well, wish it was tonight. Well, enjoy every moment of of it, uh, Mike, and it was a real pleasure to have you, Thank you. Uh, in studio uh, this morning. Thank you for that. Good Thanks. luck with us. Thanks Thank for you. joining us. That is Mike Morgan. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. You can stop calling us, please, because I need to free up the phone lines uh, for our Mike Morgan team. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tickets, our winners are Marion O'Regan uh, from Cullen. And Cecilia Roach of Trishan Beg in Mill Street. Congratulations to you both, Marion and Cecilia, heading off to Mike Morgan's gig in the uh, Hibernian Hotel next uh, Friday night. Tickets on Eventbrite and they'll also be available at the uh, door. And once again, uh, good luck to Mike and our thanks to him joining us in studio. We're going to be previewing some festivals that are on across this weekend with that in mind. Somebody says, Patricia, would you say hello to all those who are getting ready for Belgooli show tomorrow? They're in the field at the moment listening to Patricia. Hi to everybody. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful show in Belgooli tomorrow. And someone else wants me to say congratulations to, where's this? Congratulations to Liam on getting his mechanic apprenticeship. That's with love from his uncle Darren in Dunmanway. I don't know Liam's second name, but congratulations to you, Liam. And uh, um, I hope you become a wonderful mechanic and that you really enjoy your career. And Marion has asked me to give a mention to Bingo on in the Middleton Pavilion tonight at eight. Great prizes as uh, usual. Now, we're still getting in a number of comments about the recount for Ireland South and the fact that Sinn Féin have called it and the fact that it's going to cost one million euro. Some of your thoughts uh, coming in. Listener is picking up on one of the one of our other listeners who earlier said think of the family of the counters and what they've been through all week because their loved ones have been away from home for uh, so long. Your, your, your One of your listeners uh, tells us to think about the family of the counters says this texter. At 30 euro an hour my heart bleeds for them. <laughs> Uh, Mary in Rathcool says, OMG, another mess we find ourselves in. Thanks to Sinn Féin. Pay for it if you want it, like all of us have to do on a daily basis. Shame on you and the situation we find this country in. That's from Mary in Rathcool. While Pat says, Morning Patricia, I'm sick to death of whiners. Whiners like Dennis. Now, Dennis earlier on was the person who sent in the text saying that he 
would never vote for Sinn Féin and that he feels the Sinn, all of the Sinn Féin members are a bunch of whiners. So Pat is now putting it back on Dennis and saying, I'm sick to the teeth of people like Dennis. They're the whiners. Uh, as a democracy, a person is entitled to know where their vote went. Also, we have the media and political parties tearing Sinn Féin people apart whenever they get the chance. They're brought on TV programmes just to destroy them. They should stop. Good God, these people are like rats tearing at raw flesh. Also, I would like to remind Dennis and his party, whoever they may be, that Sinn Féin were the first party and the first to give their lives for their country. I don't know if you'll read this out, but it's the truth. And we're sadly lacking that, says uh, Pat. Only too happy to air your views, Pat. Micah says, Patricia, I think what has caused a lot of the problem is the extra phantom seat, if and when. The UK leaves the EU. For once the current seats are filled, then they should be deemed elected and carry on. Then fill the phantom seat on its own. The next phantom seat might never be taken up at the end of the day. And this that's the fifth and final seat. Ah, but I see I I see one little problem in that, uh, Michael. If we send the top four as is and let Leonie Riada and Grace O'Sullivan fight it out over the last seat. Surely if either Leonie Riada or Grace O'Sullivan get that fifth seat, the other person is going to say, well, distribute the last person, either Leah or Grace, because the, distrib- the, the distribution of the final person to uh, be excluded, that person could make a huge difference to who gets the fourth and who gets the fifth seat and you're right it is a phantom seat there's a huge difference for the candidates they all want to win the fourth they'll take the fifth but they'll certainly be way way happier with the fourth seat because it means they go straight to uh, Europe and just a couple of calls uh, in uh, John in Mallow says I am getting 90 oh no that's I've read that one out already that's uh, John was saying that he'd love the counting jobs he thinks it's uh, great pay George says listening to Jonathan O'Brien uh, he seems to be unable to do his sums proper he said this morning that they checked 2% of all of the votes of Grace O'Sullivan and Leah Nereida and it made a difference of one I can't figure out the figures and where he's getting the figures from I had an issue with that yesterday and I spent <laughs> painstakingly went through facts and figures last night to try to work out what it was because I heard Jonathan uh, O'Brien as well say 2% and yet I was hearing that 200,000 votes were rechecked so I couldn't work out where he was getting the 2% but then it was explained to me that the, the what he's talking about the 2% when they did the recheck on the ballot papers they checked the top paper in each bundle. Each bundle had 50 votes and they went through each of those bundles but they only checked the top one so that's what brought it down to 2% and I suppose Jonathan's view was that if Leah picked up one vote out of the 2% but even going on that she still wouldn't pick up um, if it was every 2% she was picking up one vote she's still not going to pick up enough that she needs the 327 anyway that's an argument for uh, for another day but that's the explanation for it uh, George 1850-333-103 lines open the C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, a reminder to you that the Cork County area are holding an Alcoholics Anonymous convention in McCroom. It kicks off today and runs through until Sunday. It's at the Riverside Hotel and an open public meeting is going to be held there on Sunday at 12 noon. 
Jolly Tot's parents and toddler group they're meeting for the last time this afternoon between 2 and 4 in Kilavallon Community Hall and uh, this afternoon session will be free and Clyde Rovers GAA they're holding their weekly lotto draw that's in the Hill Bar in Bottle Hill that's on tonight the jackpot there is 8,500 euro and tickets are available from Jerry O'Donoghue All-Star Floor Ball Fundraiser that goes ahead in the Mallow Youth Centre tomorrow between 10am and 5pm. It's a fun day, raffle and a disco and it's all in aid of Munster Special Olympics and Cleaners Foundation. And the Castle Town Bear Street Fest invited to head along to Castle Town Bear for food, entertainment, music and lots more. It's all part of their Street Fest, which is happening next Sunday. All proceeds are going to the Castletown Bear, RNLI and Co-Action in uh, Beira. And as we mentioned earlier, there's lots and lots happening uh, this weekend and we really are encouraging each and every one of you to go along and please support as many of the festivals that are happening uh, across this weekend because the majority of them are run by uh, volunteers. Now let's take a look at some of the festivals that are happening this weekend. The Cork Harbour Festival is the largest annual event in Cork Harbour it offers a nine-day celebration of maritime culture and it runs from tomorrow, June 1st, through to June 9th. To chat about this year's festival, I'm joined by Donna Donna McCartan of Mehel Mara, who are one of the organisers of the event. Good, morning. Good afternoon to you, Donna. Good afternoon, Patricia. And How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. Now, this is a nine-day festival, which is a huge uh, festival, and it came about because of two one-day events that joined forces in 2015. Just explain the history behind it. That, that's right. Well, we've had... Uh, we're actually going to be running on Saturday the 15th Ocean to City race, um, which was uh, put on during the uh, City Culture Festival, actually, in 2005, was the first running of that. And Matamora put that on. And then there was Open Day, which was a separate event that was held every September. And that was run by the Port of Cork and Partners. And I suppose five years ago now, uh, the the organisers of both decided it would be in the interest of both and of the harbour to, uh, to bring those festivals together. Uh, to And it's been to great effect, you know, own the festival now to oh, it's over about seventy events, uh, and and, and it's not just the city and the harbour. I mean, it stretches out to towns and villages as well. Oh, it's it, that's the that's the great thing. That's why we we love this event because it is really a community event. Uh, there's going to be events in fifteen different towns along the the harbour. There's over seventy events. Uh, you know, there. Are, I suppose there's just many, many uh, positive things to to say about it. There's, we get so many people on the water, which is which is a fantastic um, uh, way for people in the city and in the county to engage, uh, to actively engage, as it were. So we we get about four thousand last year. I think we got uh, throughout the festival. Uh, and with with with, se- with seventy events, both on land and on sea, I'm assuming there's something there for all ages and all tastes. There's there's events for families, events for real activists who want to go kayaking or go stand up paddle boarding. Um, there's events for the like to sit down and watch 
you know, related events like the Pirates of Penzance is running in the Opera House this Saturday. Um, we have uh, just just a, uh, there's a, a number of lectures, actually, a very interesting lecture happening in City Hall on Saturday week on on Cork. Uh, so, you know, there's just fantastic uh, range of events that are happening. Okay, and I direct people to an excellent website that I was looking at uh, yesterday evening, the CorkHarborFestival.com, which has the full programme and, and lists uh, um, all of the uh, events if people want to find out more. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's, that's okay, and f- and fingers crossed okay. for fine weather, Donna, particularly for the ones that are that are out at sea with well, events. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's cooperating to a greater or lesser degree with us. We'll, 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 we'll take what we have and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're, we're hopeful. I, we should also shout out for uh, just the uh, Sea Fest, which is the national festival, which is also uh, becoming part of this for the next three years. So that adds two days to the, to the week that we usually have. So uh, that's coming next weekend and that's going to be on the City Keys here. Uh, so uh, that that should be excellent, and also a real shout out to uh, our volunteers and our sponsors and our supporters. We, you know, it's a community event. We wouldn't be able to stage it without all yeah. of the support we get. Absolutely, and I'm always bigging up the volunteers because it's the it's the volunteers that make these festivals work outside of the organising committees, like your good self, uh, Donna. Good luck with it and enjoy. Yes, thank you. That's what it's thank all you. about. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Donna McCartan, who is with Mehel Mara, one of the organisers for the Cork Harbour uh, Festival. And the June Bank Holiday weekend is also a, a very busy one for the Rhododendron Walking Festival. And to find out more about that, I'm joined by uh, Mary Maloney. Good afternoon to you, Mary. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, you, How are you? I'm very welcome. Now, I love the idea of this, the Rhododendron Walking Festival. Have you walks organised for all levels of fitness? We have indeed. There's a variety of walks across the weekend. We'll be kicking off tomorrow morning with a 25k and then we we go from the 25k to a downhill descent on Sunday, which is roughly about 6k. Participants will be bussed up to the Baylock car park and they'll walk back down to Clawheen. And as part of our family day in Glengarra as well on Monday, we have two walks. We have a, a 5k and a 2k walk. So there's something in it for everybody, young and old. The 25k one, you'd want to be fair fit for that, wouldn't you? You would, in fairness, yeah. You wouldn't just hit off lightly and um, decide on the morning you're going to do it. Yeah, for the 25k, you would need to, uh, a good level of fitness and to be an experienced walker. And it's based all around Clahine, Burnford, the V, that general area, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, we're, say we kick off tonight with a dinner theatre event in Clahine and the walks tomorrow and Sunday are based in Clahine and all up around the V. And then on Monday, we move across to Burncourt to Glengarra Wood. Okay, and hence the reason it's called the Rhododendron Walking okay. Festival because it's exactly. an area that's awash with Rhododendron. It is. They're in full bloom. They're oh. totally cooperating with us at the moment. Oh, so yeah. they're, they're looking great at the moment, so they're in full bloom for the weekend. And they are quite spectacular when they're in they full bloom. They are indeed. Definitely people drive up, especially from all parts of the country, just to see the Rhododendrons in bloom at this time of the year. Okay, and as I, I mentioned with uh, Dara um, in my last interview, Volunteers, are you very dependent on, on volunteers and stewards? Oh, completely. It's yeah. totally voluntary run. It's a voluntary run committee and all the volunteers are all members of local communities and Clawheen itself and the surrounding areas. 
So we're completely volunteer dependent. Okay. And people can find out more and book on, it's v.ie, isn't it? V- v.ie, okay. that's right. Our um, booking for tomorrow is closing at midday just to give us an opportunity to get our lists and names and everything in order, but people can still turn up and register tomorrow morning. Okay. And the big but one for, for the, the big one for the families is the Monday one in, in Glengarrow Wood. Glengarrow Wood. In, and in you can book for that on v.ie as well. Okay. And that's v.ee. Dot I-E. Uh, Mary, enjoy the weekend and thanks a million for joining us. Lovely. Thanks a million. Good afternoon Patricia. to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mary Maloney there, part of the Rhododendron Walking Festival. 1850 John Paul takes your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103, the River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Athletics Award. Every month, a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. Cork athlete. This month's award goes to Louise Shanahan from Lee Vale AC. Louise fought off all opposition to win her very first varsity title in the 800 metres at the Irish University's Championships in Athlone. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee and the Echo and C103. Now, we've been giving away family passes this week for the Inner Shannon Steam and Vintage Rally, which will be staged for the 22nd year this Sunday and uh, Monday. And joining me to pre- to preview this year's rally, I'm joined by Paul Kelleher, the PRO. Uh, good afternoon to you, Paul. Good afternoon, Patricia. And at, and at the end of our chat, I'll give away our final family pass. So hang in there uh, because I know we had huge reactions during the week to people trying to win the, the family passes. Now, uh, Paul, besides a great day out, this is a massive fundraiser. Just remind us of how much money has been raised over the years. We've approximately raised 1.5 million for the Irish Cancer Society over the last 22 years. So it, it has been a real great success. Um, it has been a great partnership with the Irish Cancer Society. Um, they give us great support. And Nicola McMahon from the Irish Cancer Society attends our meetings, give us great support. So we have a great working relationship with the organisation. And uh, it's one of those charities, isn't it? Because we've all been touched in some way by cancer. People are only too happy to donate and to support an event with proceeds going to the Irish Cancer Society. Correct. I can't think of a better charity. And a lot of people are associated with it. And we see that during the Tickle Raffles collections um, uh, pre-rally. We've been to all the shopping centres. The ticket team have done a great job. They meet a lot of people and they hear the stories from the public and they can associate with them. So it's a great great charity. Now, Paul, for those who haven't been in the last 22 years, just to outline what people can expect on either Sunday or Monday. So it's on Sunday the 2nd of June and Monday the 3rd of June. Um, it's, a, it's a family event. There's something for everyone in the, uh, at the rally. Um, it's everything from um, uh, steam engines, vintage tractors, machines, stationary oil engines, uh, to family, to the kids section, which is the pets corner, the fun fairs. There's um, uh, trashing, steam engine um, demonstrations, um, stone crushing, steam haulages, haulage. At a sheepdog trials, dog show, there's something, everything across the whole field. Um, it's um, you spend hours just going across from one side to the other side. Um, lots of demonstrations, um, a lot of uh, interaction with the vintage owners who will tell the, the history and stories of the equipment. And who lo- who love to talk about their machines, yeah. don't they? It is. Um, it's like the, a part of the family, the history, the heritage. 
where the machine came from, the repairs, what it's doing today, where it's going next. So, yeah, it's very engaging and very interactive with the vintage owners. The steam engines are quite spectacular to get up close and personal to, aren't yeah. they? You have a, a, a number of variations of the Showman engines, road locomotives, uh, traction engines, rollers, steam tractors, steam wagons. So, yeah, a, a, a huge variety of steam engines. We have an LA between 45 and 50 steam engines coming from um, locally. From there is abandoned and concealed from Carlo, Loud, Antrim, and from the UK. So great support for the rally. Yeah, it it really is um, quite. I mean, quite spectacular. And do you get vintage enthusiasts come from all over the country? Yes, um, part of the rally's uh, mission is to keep the history of the steam engine and the vintage equipment, such as stationary oil engines and tractors, vintage uh, bikes, commercial vehicles, etc., alive. And to teach the next generation that this is uh, what it was like pre-internet, <laughs> where you actually had to go to events and see stuff and learn from the owners. Um, today, I think we take things for granted. Um, the rally is one of these things you will learn a lot in one day about the history and where what, how we got here today in terms of our transport. Yeah, and I always think it's it, events like this are, are lovely places uh, to meet old friends and new and bump into neighbours and bump into people that you might have, sometimes you might even have met since last year at the rally. It's a great community event. Yeah. Great support from, uh, you know, West Cork, Shannon, Bandon, Kinsale, Cork City. And um, that's the success of the rally. The, 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 the good community support, the volunteers and the public re- coming t- for the two days um, I mean, all all the funds go to the Irish Cancer Society. So the more we get in, the more we can um, give back to the Irish Cancer Society. Have you have you somebody officially opening it for you this year? Yeah, the plant manager of MSD Brand uh, Brinny, uh, okay. uh, Barry McCallie will open it officially on Sunday uh, okay. at approximately one forty-five two p.m. Because a, lis- a listener wants to know, could you ask Paul what year did Eileen Dunn open the show? Uh, Eileen Dunn was Upton, so it was pre in a Shannon. Yeah, so, that's um, a good few years ago. Yeah, it is yeah. more than 22. So prior to in a Shannon was the Upton Steam Rally, and a lot of people remember that fondly. Yeah. Um, that ran for approximately 29 years. Um, I remember Mike Murphy opening uh, Upton um, when I was a small kid, the playgrounds, <laughs> the steam engines. And that was the predecessor of in a Shannon, and we've continued on the tradition. tradition. So locally... We've always been a strong uh, vintage steam area and we're continuing on that tradition within the Shannon Rally. And you always have great music on, yeah, the, we have, on the two days. We have bands on both days, uh, Sunday and Monday. Um, so plenty of entertainment, yeah. music-wise, on both days. So, something there for uh, for everyone. And for people travelling from outside the area, it, uh, somebody's saying, will it, be, will it be signposters? It's always very well signposters. Yeah. If you come into the city and you head towards uh, Inishan and Road, it's well signposted towards the the village either side uh, from the Crossbury area as well. So we have plenty of um, free car, space, car spaces adjacent to the, to the rally field. It's very easy to get in and out. Uh, come early, the gates open at 11am. Um, a lot of activity starts that early that morning. So uh, get in early, uh, get around the field, see everything and uh, enjoy the day. Okay, and um, are you heavily dependent on volunteers to make the weekend a huge success? 
Ah, yes. For the yeah. last 22 years, the rally wouldn't be anything with the volunteers. They spent two long days on the field. But the committee worked hard as well. They've spent 12 months planning, organising. You can imagine we're expecting, you know, close to eight to 10,000 people per day. That's a lot of organisation. Yeah. A lot of safety concerns. We have a lot of equipment, so safety is our priority as well. And without the volunteers, without the committee, there'd be no rally. Okay. Well, listen, uh, enjoy it, uh, Paul, each and every one of you. And thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme today. Thank you very much. Uh, bye bye. And bye we bye. gave away our fam, our final family pass. We will do it by text today because we've done it by phone the last uh, two days. So text the word rally to 0862103103. Allow your name and address, please, if you'd like to win our final family pass, which admits four people to the Inishana Steam and Vintage Rally. And you could go on either of the days, whichever suits you. You can go on the Sunday or the Monday. So text RALLY to 0862103103. John Paul continues to take your calls at 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. We are uh, waiting outside for Rod Stewart to come on stage. Do you remember the first album you bought? No, but I remember I had a poster on my bedroom door and he had tartan leggings and a scarf and nothing on his top half and my father ripping it off the door saying he was a heathen. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a favourite song you're hoping Rod's going to do tonight? Oh, Maggie He would not get out of Cork if he didn't do that. No, not a hope. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And we've just had a cancellation in to say that due to unforeseen circumstances, the yoga classes which are due to be held at Mallow Castle tomorrow have been postponed and a new date will be announced shortly. And when we get the new date, we'll bring it to you because they've been proving extremely popular, those outdoor yoga classes in the grounds of Mallow Castle but off for uh, tomorrow. Now, time for us to go to the movies. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, is with us in studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you went along to the movies and you went along to see Aladdin. Here's a trailer from Aladdin. Genie, I wish to become a prince. I'm about to fabulize you. Not enough, huh? Watch this. And now, for your entourage. Too small. Too obvious. The genie's on fire! Somebody put me out! I'm too much! Showtime. No, I'm in charge. Really? Really? Aladdin. You can clap now. Rated PG in theaters May 24th. Tickets on sale now. Okay, Mark, this is at Disney. It's Aladdin. We all know the story of Aladdin, but this is. This is a, a kind of a remake, a kind of a newer, a newer version. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of what they call. And it's a, not a cartoon. Well, there's an awful lot of CGI. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of what they call live action. So okay. yeah, so Disney are basically going into their back catalogue and just kind of remaking everything. And they're doing it uh, with kind of real actors. Like they've done it with Dumbo, which uh, I haven't seen yet. I'll see that on DVD when it comes out and I'll review that. Uh, they did it with the um, the Jungle Book, which worked very, very well. I saw that. But again, most of that was all CGI. So in a sense, it was animated. Yeah. Just the little boy who was extraordinary uh, was the yeah. only kind of uh, human character uh, in that. And I've already seen the trailer to The Lion King. And that does look extraordinary. Now, I, I saw the trailer online as well. Yeah. yeah, it does look extraordinary. But the problem is, again, well, it's not so much a problem, but uh, it will be anim- in, animated in such a way that it is CGI'd. And that's uh, the case here. There's an awful lot of CGI here, but the actors are all human actors. So basically, um, for some reason... Like everybody knows the story of Aladdin, so it's sticking to that. that, that it's the exact same story. Yeah, the yeah. story doesn't change. Oh, the songs are there as well. So, you oh, know, is it? Oh, okay. yeah. So basically, they've gone back to the uh, the animated film. Yeah. Like, okay, let's just remake it with, uh, with actors. But of course, okay. the thing about the original film, of course, it has it had Robin Williams and oh I'd forgotten that yeah as the genie and that extraordinary performance if you remember yeah. you know and I wasn't I'll be honest with you I wasn't a great fan of that kind of era of uh, of, of Disney animation and I have no idea why well I, th- I think for first of all I was older I was an older man anyway when they came out so therefore it was only when I had uh, the little one that we kind of began watching them again and I, I found it very difficult to warm to them and I have no idea you know around that time you had Beauty and the Beast as well and uh, you know films like that and um, so when it comes to these kind of live action remakes, I don't really have any kind of real emotional kind of, um, you know, link to these films. And okay. for the first half of this film, I've, I felt that way. I, f- I was very cold uh, watching it. I just wasn't engaged in any way, shape or form. And in fact, I, some of the reviews that I read, like if you could do go on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like a 50 percent kind of approval rating. And a lot of people said the same. Hey, sure, there's an, you're, a lot of stuff is being thrown at you and it's all, you know, firing at you at 100 uh, miles per hour. But at the same time, you wanted to kind of stop and you want to get involved and engage with the characters. And a lot of the times you don't. And even with the songs that you do know when you sing along, um, I didn't think they were particularly perform- performed particularly well. And to be fair to Will Smith, now he said, look, at first when they offered him the part, because his first thought was, Robin, Robin Williams. Williams and that extraordinary performance where he just basically made it up off the top of his head and I mean that was the best thing of that film in my mind there's a couple of good songs as well I don't want to kind of undermine them and he was extraordinary and of course uh, Will Smith said look I don't particularly want to do this because of that reason and but comparisons he, are going to be made exactly yeah, yeah. First of all, when the uh, first trailer was released, people didn't like his blue colour. I found the blue colour fine. It, he didn't remind me of a Smurf in any way, shape or form. I thought he looked OK. Um, but he decided... Are genies blue there? Yeah. Do, do, do you not know this? No, I'm trying to think. Gina, yeah, go on. <laughs> so he decided then, OK, he would take the part, but obviously he couldn't recreate what Robin Williams did. So he doesn't try and do that in well the Well done, Will. No, but the problem is that because he underplays it, Oh. It comes across as being a little kind of bland. And really, in that kind of situation, you want somebody who's over the top. You want somebody that's overacting and really being a, a genie and kind of, you know, turning it up that's to 11. That's what a genie does. Because that's what the, the genie yeah. is supposed to do. He's supposed yeah. to be this enormous, huge character. And so I was very disappointed with Will Smith's, um, uh, you know, performance in the film. And when he's playing the genie, he is um, he, he's covered in blue. When he plays himself, he is uh, Will Smith. Uh, obviously, they decided to kind of tweak the story a little 
the bit so that he would be Will Smith at some stage in the film okay. and we'd see him with, you know without the, the, the blue colour uh, the cast itself is uh, is really really good um, the, the two main uh, roles which are played by Mina Masood and Naomi Scott they're very very good the young boy is extraordinary in it and so is she and she is incredible now, have, have you heard, come across these before? Uh, I've, Naomi Scott I've seen before she's very okay. very beautiful but she's got a terrific voice and in fact they have tweaked the script for the Me Too movement as well I mean there is a song in it that they have decided to kind of put in where basically she kind of it's almost like um, a kind of a frozen moment in fact the song is very frozen like I didn't get a chance to kind of do some research and wonder did the guys who wrote Frozen did they write right, this as well because it's very yeah. similar but it's the best scene in the whole film where she basically stands up and says I am I won't have this anymore I am in control I am you know the the, the princess and so therefore do not mess with me I am not Go somebody on, to mess with and it's and it's a terrific <laughs> and it's the good the song was good yeah and in fact it's the best song in the movie as well yeah. and um, and so I was very very impressed with her I wasn't very impressed with uh, the character who played Jafar Jafar if you remember in the in the animated film was an extraordinary character big long face and very mean and these kind of stereo mm. eyes whereas the actor who plays Jafar in this is called Marwan Kanzari and he looks like an accountant you know and it's uh, with respect to accountants by the way but you know that's uh, not accountants are necessarily is. scary no Jafar should have been yeah. this huge huge character but yeah. again it was kind of a rather a bland character and I was kind of disappointed with that because I really I can I wanted uh, I wanted to see more it has been a huge success though anyway because Disney are just on another crest of a wave with all these films uh, Dumbo wasn't very well received but it did very very well I mean uh, the budget was about 183 million uh, the gross in uh, in the states was 136 worldwide it was 255 million and so you know the 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 fact that some of the reviews have been a bit mixed have had uh, you know hasn't harmed it in in any way shape or form. And this is a family movie. You know, children, you know, parents are going to take the children along to see exactly. this. Exactly, and those especially, of course, who have grown up with the film and who have uh, who yeah. have really enjoyed the film. The surprise to me was that it was directed by Guy Ritchie. I mean, I was just spotted director and uh, Guy Ritchie. Yeah, and, and he did the screenplay as well. He wrote the screenplay. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy who did uh, Two Smoking Barrels. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. He made these very violent movies. You know, at the start of his career and here he is working for Disney I think just the fact that you've got so much stuff thrown at you doesn't necessarily make it entertaining I thought the first half was quite dull and boring and I didn't particularly like it at all but the second half it, it does pick up. up and it picks up actually where she the young girl sings that particular song and that's when I think uh, I began to warm to it and that's when I began to enjoy it a little bit more um, but yeah even some of the CGI was was pretty ropey I mean the magic carpet for example is a little bit disappointing at times and you kind of you wanted a, a little bit more from that and I, that, I suppose that's it if you ask me what I wanted from this film I wanted more I okay. wanted it to be bigger I wanted it to be funnier I wanted it to be kind of more exciting and uh, and for me it wasn't and uh, it ended up being rather a disappointment was Can we expect a corresponding ride at Disneyland? And after Aladdin, probably. Uh, uh, is there already one? Uh, is there an Aladdin? I can't remember. If well, there is soaring. It would be the nearest in the Epcot. Yeah, is that's that kind of soaring is kind of based on magic carpets. Oh, is so it? Maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't do I don't that. Don't know one. if there's an Aladdin. Then uh, um, just whenever I see Disney, I think, oh, how they 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 seem to know how to turn a buck. They seem to know how to make money. Oh, they're everything. very good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, particularly uh, merchandise and all of that. Okay, exactly. so it's in the cinema. It's very much a family uh, movie. At uh, two hours eight minutes, so that's a long movie. I always think for children if you're bringing yeah. 
children's along you do have to bear that in mind it's a long movie it is very very long and there are some sequences where you know there's a lot of talk which I don't think the kids would particularly like very yeah. much yeah but look when it's good it's fabulous let me make that quite clear I don't want to be completely negative about it okay. and say to people oh don't go and see this bring your kids along because you know there's not much out there that uh, parents and kids can kind of sing along to and enjoy there's a lot to enjoy here especially you know some of the cast I thought was extraordinary some not so so much and some of the, 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 the you know the songs and the musical uh, parts are very very entertaining but as to, to take it, uh, you know, as a whole, I was just rather disappointed with it, I'm afraid, and I, I wanted more. But apparently the, the, the reviews to Dumbo was kind of the same. Just because, you know, you're remaking them doesn't necessarily make them better. And of course, the question, first of all, that m- most people ask is, you know, do we need Why? these? Why? Why? We always Especially get after Robin Williams was so extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. OK, so Mark, out of 10? I still give it a healthy 7, though. 7 out of 10. OK, yeah. and it's in the cinemas at the moment. It it's Disney's Aladdin. Mark, have a lovely uh, Bank Holiday weekend and uh, a good week, and we'll talk to you again next next Friday that's uh, Mark Malone our movie reviewer you can stop texting us on our competition for Inna Shannon Uh, we have a family pass to give away and we'll give it away after this this is the Cork Today replay on C103 our winner final family pass to the Inna Shannon Steam and Vintage Rally goes to Mary Keating in Dripsy. Congratulations to you, Mary Keating in uh, Dripsy. And thank you to everybody who took time out to text us uh, on that. And the Inish and Steam and Vintage Rally, it's on sun- Sunday and uh, Monday with well over a thousand exhibits. It really is going to be a terrific weekend. And you can check it all out if you'd like to find out more at isvrally.com. Uh, com. Now, Nick Richards is turning up the feel good from one o'clock today with these tunes to get you in the mood for the bank holiday weekend. Ah, such wonderful songs. That's uh, Nick up next with Feel Good Friday. And then, of course, Martina continues it from uh, four o'clock. The very best of luck to everybody taking part in the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon that's happening on this Sunday. We're very pleased here at C103 to be the exclusive radio partner for the mini marathon. Best of luck to everybody taking part. That's where I leave you for today and for this week. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick, as we mentioned, with Feel Good Friday is next. I'm back with you on Tuesday morning after the bank holiday weekend at 10. On to that, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a super duper weekend. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 